friends, you're listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I'm here with Rachel Hornby and Mary Samuel. We're at the Point Defiance Marina in Tacoma, Washington. And Rachel's going to tell a story. Now, we just just met. Did we figure out we haven't actually met before? No, you thought we've maybe crossed maybe. paths for yeah. many. It's sort of funny. Uh, she's been in a band with other friends of mine. And I played at your brother's house in Alaska. I don't even know all of your musical projects. I mean, Spirits of the Red City. Mm-hmm. Are you doing other things musically? Um, and then maybe Baby and the Bitch Boys. And then they're the based Alaska out of Denver. Songs. Yeah. And then in Alaska is the In Lost Outlaws, which is our favorite awesome. band. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're here in Tacoma. This is sort of like in true nomadic fashion. You've just come from Denver via Eugene heading to Alaska. I've been hanging out with Mary in Seattle. We just came to Tacoma. They're now going to go to Alaska. I'm going to hang here for a couple days and then head down the coast. But we're just meeting up. But I wanted to, you've toured a bunch, so I thought you'd be a good person to ask about your worst show ever. Yeah, and that coming up with the worst show ever was actually kind of hard to think about because um, I recognize how lucky I've been to actually just have really great shows. In fact, like if this was called the best show ever, I would have a lot of really awesome stories to tell about that. Maybe um, next year. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, that that's kind of uh, uh, like a lucky position to be in, to have way better experiences than, than bad ones. Um, but uh, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, one time I was playing this show, and this dude in the audience yelled, play free bird. No, I'm just kidding. That happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> really good. That's really good. No, but it's, it's just if if you're trying to like gain perspective of like how do I be a better audience participant, just stop yelling that. Just, just never do just it. Just don't. Do not it. even. It's once. not even funny. It's, it was never funny. It wasn't even funny. It wasn't like it used to be funny and then got old. Yeah. It was just never, never funny. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes audience participation is is nice, and sometimes it's totally unwarranted. Like, don't bring an instrument to a show and try to play. <laughs> and and uh, we were playing in this small town in, um, uh, in Colorado. And uh, the band I'm in, Spirits Red City, is orchestral folk music. Like, really intentional, really quiet. We always play acoustically. Um, uh, and so we're playing we're playing at this, this art museum. And uh, this guy comes in. I think that everyone kind of knew who he was. And he brought with him his djembe. And... Uh, just took the liberty of sitting sitting down right in front of us and just playing along with every single song. And um, the guy who fronts Spirits is this really sweet man um, named Will Garrison. And um, he also really hates djembe, as I think that maybe that's like a pretty mutual thing. Um, and but he's also he also saw that that man like wanted to participate and so in the kindest way imaginable he was like hey man like you that was really good you just played that song really good but um maybe maybe you could sit down on on this one and uh just like just listen you know trying to just be as considerate to this guy and how much he wanted to be part of it uh and that didn't he didn't really figure it out so he uh, ended up playing the entire show with us playing djembe just terribly and at first like everyone all everyone in the band was looking at each other like what the hell like, this is so rude and then it just became comical and we're like gosh like <laughs> this is hilarious no one really is is caring except for us we're like playing for a small crowd of people um but so that was pretty obnoxious but there's definitely been times that uh that like I've been to shows and seen audience participation be really rude especially for female bands so um I get to play in a uh, kind of more pop punk band that 
it's called maybe Baby and the Bitch Boys, but we just kind of have started going by Bitch Boys now. And being an all-female band is really interesting because uh, you people are just really stoked about what you're doing. But I some even if like you play really poorly, I think people are still really stoked. Which sometimes you want a real honest opinion of like, yeah. hey, how was that? And they're like, that was amazing. I'm like, really? Because I kind of fucked up every single song. <laughs> okay. um, so I was at this show in Denver. And this is going to segue into a, a personal experience, but I was at the show with this really great female band I love called Chastity Belt. And they're an all-female band. They're playing on stage, and all of a sudden, someone from the audience yells, the drummer's the hottest! And um, and you could tell it just really bothered them, and they played the next song, and, um, and then they, they're just like, you know what, whoever yelled that in the audience needs to leave right now. And he was like, what? It's just trying to like make a compliment. She's really hot. And they're like, yeah, that's not why we're up here. And uh, if you don't understand that, you can have somebody else explain it to you. But you need to leave before we play another song. And everyone in the audience was like, yeah, get out. You know, and it was just like a really positive moment. And they handled it so poignantly, not aggressively, just like really intentionally to represent that that's just not how you respond to a band, especially a female band. Um, and then a few weeks later, uh, Bitch Boys was playing a show. And... Uh, I kind of get nervous, I front that band and I like just sometimes don't really engage with the audience because I just get really nervous and I try to just like focus on, on playing and I say a bunch of like dumb shit while I'm on stage as well. <laughs> um, but so I hadn't noticed it but there's this guy who was kind of heckling the keyboard player, her name's uh, Jess Webb and uh, she's... Oh um, I know Jess. Yeah, she's Wait, great. she with Paul? Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't so, know her well, but I know her through Paul. So she, she's the keys player for that band, and um, really beautiful woman. And this guy is like, hey, what's the keys player's name? What's your name? Like, just kind of trying to hit on her, and it was uh, just obnoxious, but I didn't realize it was happening because I was just like, oh, this guy's just talking to Jess, whatever. And then after the show, she was like, man, that guy was really obnoxious. I was like, he kind of like made me feel uncomfortable on stage, and, uh, and I didn't realize it, and I wished that at that moment I could have... I kind of had a similar opportunity as Chastity Belt to just be like, hey, that's not what... Show. What's that? We're doing a podcast. Are you? We're recording. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, Let me uh, so. be a part of that podcast. Oh, okay. oh cool. No, we're, we're just recording right now. Um, <laughs> this is perfect. This is perfect. This couldn't be any better. <laughs> Wow, did you come up with that? <laughs> cool, lots of trains in Chicago. <laughs> yeah? I was in the Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> when he walked up, I thought, well, we're in his public space. He's He was talking a little bit. But I thought he was talking to someone else. Was he talking to us initially? Yeah. Okay, I didn't hear what he said. I just assumed he was with somebody else and he was talking. And I was like, oh, this could be a little bit of an interruption. But we're in a public space. That's that's not his fault. That's us. Like, we're in a public space. So this is what you get when you try to record. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. We could have done it in the van. We could have done it at our friend Rob and Jillian's house. But we didn't do that. So here we are. And... He's just, he's just talking to like his wife or his kids or something, and then oh, what show? Oh my God. Yeah, that was 
that was pretty good. I, I can't oh part of them. <laughs> you probably want to hear me play the harmonica right now. <laughs> I mean, it's worth saying to piggyback off of what you... I mean, I want to hear the rest. Is there there's just um, a little more? You know, just uh, more so of just being like, when, you, when you're on stage and, and someone's acting improperly, you have a lot of uh, power and liberty to like... Potentially, I call people and be like, "Hey, that's inappropriate," and uh, do it in a way that like can still be respectful. But um, I think oftentimes we, we don't. We like choose not to because we we don't want to um, be like, "Oh, I don't want to be a bitch," or like uh, make someone uncomfortable at the show. And, and it sucks when you're the one trying, like you're trying to do one thing, like play a show, and then being. I find anyway. I mean, I think I think I hear what you're saying, and it's like there's a double, there's even like a worse stigma with women if you're like be called like a bitch or something but I mean there's in general I feel like if you're trying to play a show you want to have a, like a sympathetic relationship with the audience you don't want to have like an antagonistic relationship with the audience yeah. and so then if someone's being shitty there's like I wish somebody else would tell would them to more. shut up right. and not have me have to be the bad guy and be like you have to leave now or fuck you yeah. even though I mean I've also had experiences like you're saying uh, with Chastity but where it's like everybody is actually wishing that person would shut up mm-hmm. and nobody has the like gumption to just say something and yeah. so then sometimes you're like dude can you please just lower your voice or take a step outside or something and then people are like okay yeah good we were all we all wanted that mm-hmm. and I do try to remember that that a lot of times it's not just for me it's for the audience like that's yeah. what's more important is like this per if this person is having making me have a bad time that's shitty but if they're making everyone have a shitty time then like yes i wish someone else would do it but i try to, i'm not always consistent about this but i try if no one else is doing it they'd be like hey you're ruining this for everyone yeah you. um yeah uh that was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> and and i was gonna say i don't know what your experience is mine is certainly that it's not that there aren't sometimes women who are allowed at shows. That happens. Sure. As far as, like, oblivious, just talking. that That's, like, gender neutral in my experience. Mm-hmm. But as far as people that feel, I should really be a part of this, <laughs> even though yeah. I'm not invited. The entitlement. I've maybe experienced that with a woman, but I can't think of one. Whereas, like, I can immediately think of, like, at least ten times yeah. where a guy shows up it's like, oh, you're doing a thing? I do a thing. <laughs> yeah. I should be right up in here doing my thing with your thing. Don't you think? Isn't that clear? <laughs> I play harmonica. <laughs> and I'll tell you the funny one with about harmonicas. That just reminded, reminded me. Uh, I mean, not everyone knows this, but probably a lot of musicians know this. Each harmonica is in one key. And usually when some rando has a harmonica, they don't, they're not bringing a book of harmonicas. They have one harmonica. And if someone is inclined to play where they have not been invited to play, they will just play that one harmonica that's maybe in like G major or C major or D major. And whatever key you're in, that's what they're going to play. And it's most likely not going to work. Yeah. They will do it anyway. Yeah. Because that's... That's douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> that is entitlement, like Mary said. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. And also, because like, I play instrumental music, so sometimes the response is like, oh, cool, I can do my poetry over this. Mm. Like, I can just like participate, even though now what you've done is relegate everything that was foreground to background, because just the way humans are, like if, if there's music going on and then talking 
going on, the talking becomes mm. on top of <laughs> everything yeah, else. Right. But yeah, that's happened more times than I can think of. You know, it's, it's actually uh, playing with spirits. We play just acoustically. Yeah. Um, and that has actually been a really powerful um, uh, technique to make people. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I can really I can kick the spots, huh? Wow, good I, it's it's new. Is it noon now? Is it's that noon on is? Sunday the 6th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. I've been doing this for a while. I'm pretty good at picking like, the very best spot to do a podcast. Can there be a... Keeps it lively. What's having in next? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but so, uh, so, playing acoustically, <laughs> you can go from places where it's really loud and obnoxious. And, like, if it's loud, you're like, oh, I want to say something to my friend. You have to yell it to them. Right, um, right. Whereas, like, if it's quiet um, and you're playing acoustic in this big space, people are like, oh, I can't, like, talk totally. because yeah. it's like they're playing really quietly right now. And we've had really positive experiences of playing in packed bars in San Francisco, playing in the corner acoustically, and the bartender, like, opens a beer and apologizes because it's too loud. Right. And there's been moments when uh, we'll be playing a rowdy house show and there'll be, like, bands that are just, like, going hog wild and it's super fun. And then we have to play our quiet, calm stuff afterwards. And I was, there's this one show at South by Southwest I was super nervous about playing because it was like this big rambunctious party uh i think harpoon tang played which is this really badass lady band from denver just like super rowdy and i was like man i'm nervous about playing this quiet acoustic set and this guy came up to me and he was like would you rather have somebody yell something at you or whisper something to you and just in the like that was so effective in that moment and made me just really excited about what i was about to present um, rather than it having to meet this specific level of energy and in my ways of being um uh like having to not necessarily call somebody out but instead of responding in ways of being like hey you're yelling at me i'm gonna yell at you too shut up you know like that is meeting it with aggression i've been doing this technique of just going up to people and being like hey that was actually a really inappropriate thing to do and that's not how i want to be talked to and like whispering rather than yelling something at somebody and it is significantly more effective mm-hmm. and especially in when you're in situations and shows when someone's being inappropriate how effective it is to just really go up and get personal rather than like making this big scene and then them feeling like they're they need to like explain or justify how they're why they're acting a certain way and um yeah we actually the choice has a song about that of like like does does that ever work like the way that you're talking to women and like being uh being like aggressive and sexual like does that ever work are women ever like yeah yeah call me a sexy hoe i love that you know like it just it's not working for you so stop doing it you know Um, i mean there's been lots of folks that made this point but i a lot of times it's not it's like not intended to work right like it's like intended to humiliate or it's like if you're talking about like cat calling and shit like that especially if it's like dudes with other dudes are just like trying to show off for their boys or whatever mm-hmm. uh because yeah i think that every time i hear it was like dude that's never worked for you <laughs> yeah. clearly that's you've never been like what's up mommy <laughs> on the street that's never turned out with the, the girl going like oh hi <laughs> i need to get your number <laughs> yeah. uh, actually one time uh if I've mentioned this on the show before, but one time I was uh, traveling with my good friend John Horner. We were in a band called Desert Center, and we played the show in Dubuque, Iowa. And there was this kid at the show who was like probably 19 or something, and was feeling he was very proud of himself for being this like Kerouac kind of bohemian uh, train hopper, hitch 
hitchhiker. He like just left home in Minnesota and was like traveling the world and being like super cool. And he was cute. Like I remember my like post Kerouac phase. Um, and he had to say goodbye to us. He had to come back and say, "You guys have fun." <laughs> I don't know if that picked up on the recorder or not. Uh, that was our buddy, the harmonica player, yeah, our <laughs> in the buddy, Blues Brothers. He like came him. back and was like, "Oh, you're doing an interview. I'll I'll go ahead and say something again." For <laughs> uh, so there was yeah, this kid, this kid was like at the show and was very very like proud of himself, and it was kind of cute, but like a little bit obnoxious. Mm. Uh, I kind of entertained it for a while, then there was a point where I was like, "Cool, I've had enough of that. I need to, I need to take a break." And then uh, at some point he asked me, because we didn't have a place to stay in Dubuque that night, and so we were going to drive to Iowa City, which is not too far. It's like an hour, maybe hour and a half or something. And uh, we were going to drive, and my buddy Kyle was going to put us up in Iowa City. And this guy was like, hey, could, could I get a ride with you guys to Iowa City? And I was kind of on the, I was like, I want to help him out, but I'm also really kind of sick of him. <laughs> and I went and asked John, and I was like, hey, that you know that kid that's like train hopper hitchhike dude he wants to get a ride he's like oh yeah i don't care i was like hey so i'm really kind of over him like would you be cool if i just kind of like zoned out in the back seat and he rode up front with you he's like i barely talked to him i'm not (laughs) like i get his vibe i can see where it could be exhausting but i'm i'm not there i'm fine with that so like cool so i i remember i actually got in the back seat and like put some York on and like just like <laughs> my headphones and was like zoned out for their drive and they they talked and John is an incredibly patient loving dude so we did the drive I don't think I fell asleep but I like zoned way out and then when we pulled in I saw we were pulling in I waited until we were like pulling into downtown and like dropping him off to, before I took my <laughs> headphones off and then when I did John was like did you hear what that dude said and I was like Nah, dude, I told you I was <laughs> I was completely I was just like listening to Vespertine and like not listening to any of that. And he's like, okay, so it was cool, it was fine. He was like telling his travel stories and it was kinda cute and a little bit self-important, but fine. Uh, and it was all good and then when we pulled into downtown, it was like a Friday or Saturday night, it's like, you know, there were some women, like college age women just like walking down the street, and he goes I'm going to holler at these girls. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he starts to roll down the window. And John, I love John so much. John, I've only seen get angry, like, one other time in in our whole relationship. But uh, John goes, if you say one thing to those women, I am throwing you out of this. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. Because, I mean, the dude was young. And I, I do hope, I hope that he, like, he was still young and impressionable enough that, like, he thought, oh, I'll be a cool guy right. and yell at these girls. Yeah. And then he got some very strong feedback <laughs> about, no, you will not do that <laughs> ever. But it sure as fuck not in my van. Yeah. My van. And uh, so he, like, had started to roll the window down and rolled it right back. <laughs> didn't say shit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's, the, I've, he's young. He probably was just like trying to look cool. Yeah. And there's some, there's some of that, even for very, very much older guys when they're trying to look cool. Right. Uh, and I mean, hopefully that was influential. And I think yeah. that like yeah, oftentimes hopefully. we get these moments of like, oh, cool. I can probably just do something really tiny and be influential on this mm-hmm. person's life. And 
Um, and I think that oftentimes we don't take those opportunities or like, uh, especially like as women getting, like having to be like, is this worth, is this worth it? Like, is this worth calling this person out? And like, you just like second right. guess yourself. And I think that we're coming into right. a day and age where suddenly like that is okay, even if it's small and it's safe to like say, hey, this made me uncomfortable regardless of what it is. And whereas now you don't like, it's, you still check yourself in moments when it happens. Mary has this story she was telling me. Um, about being in Ireland and uh, just moments when like we're like is, should I do something about this uh, I don't know if you want to tell that story or not uh, pretty much I was just gonna read at an open mic in Ireland and a guy grabbed my ass and my response was to ignore him and move away from him and it wasn't the response I would have liked to have done but it was kind of the most accessible one for me at the time Yeah. but so in that way I hope it's a, like I think that's a learning thing for me as far as like next time I will behave well, I will re- react differently most likely it's so it scary happens. in those yeah. moments to be like, right. like what do I do in and when situation? you're alone yeah. in a bar in a different country <laughs> yeah yeah and a friend of mine, she uh, she lives in Nepal for the winters, and she told me, uh, she's like, yeah, when that happens to you, you don't respond. Mm. You don't, mm. like, you freeze. And you're, you think, like, oh, I'm an empowered woman who, like, <laughs> is against this. I'm going to say something and react. And oftentimes that's not what you feel comfortable doing. And, um, and so it makes sense to, like... To, to that that is a uh, like a like a learning curve or like right it, it takes skill and tact to know how to go about that and it's scary and it's scary because you also never know in those situations too especially if you're alone who would have your back and who wouldn't right as far as like the bartenders their BFF you might not be in a safe place to right. throw a drink in their face yeah. <laughs> unfortunately Do you think, I'm just curious in that situation because I'm I'm thinking of two situations like one situation it's like you just kind of freeze because it's so uncomfortable and unexpected and like yeah. you weren't prepared for it. Right. And then in, I mean, I've talked to lots of folks and this isn't specific to sexual harassment, but I think it's right. especially um, relevant there where like, you know, someone says some shitty shit and then you later you're like, Oh, I should have said this. Yeah. yeah. That would have been right. awesome. Uh-huh. But it's just like, most people aren't that clever to like think of the perfect thing to say or do <laughs> right in the moment. So that's one situation. And then the other one is where, if I hear you right, you're not just saying, like, oh, I couldn't think of the best right. thing. But it's like, I don't know if I want to have any kind of confrontation right, right. now. Right. I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes the easier thing isn't the most badass thing. And the right. easier things to ignore them and hang out near the bartender who you're assuming is a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I did want to ask. I, I was assuming, but I, I should just ask. I'm guessing it was a white dude. Oh yeah, on the djembe. <laughs> yeah, because I just I just want to say that I don't have anything against the djembe if we're talking about like African music. Sure. But like, you never encounter that in the U.S. It's right. always like a white dude with dreads who thinks that him playing djembe is the same as like traditional African music being right. played in Africa. Right. And like. That's 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 my always my experience. But I also right. hate the djembe. Not <laughs> I don't hate the instrument, but I feel like there's you know ninety percent or ninety five percent of my experience with the djembe is always some like trustafarian dude thinking mm-hmm. he's gonna like keep it real. And, yeah, <laughs> culture into this music. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely a white dude. <laughs> I, I I knew it was pretty sure, but I just wanted. To we all had our also minds that's emphasized that the harmonica dude was also a white dude. Yeah, definitely <laughs> a white even... dude who was definitely in the Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> but that wasn't enough fame for him, so he had to come on. But to this he podcast. really wanted to be on the, <laughs> he the worst show ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs>
god. Catch him in Chicago. <laughs> this is a whole other thing to unpack that maybe we don't have to get into. But I, I think the issue of entitlement, just what you guys are talking about, I think of like, is there really any cure for entitlement? Like, I don't, like, you're saying that whisper versus yelling, but I feel like, like that guy, that blues dude, mm. I don't know, I don't know what you could say to him that would make him aware of how this isn't about me, and so me just, like, sticking my nose in something that has nothing to do with me is inappropriate. Yeah. I think in situations like that, I think... Oh, you can't teach a old dog new tricks, right? Yeah. And that's like like kind of this scapegoat for that. But um, within within like our generation and even like younger generation, and maybe even like I think that there's a spectrum where it's like you could see the um, the men that are around us are trying to be more perspective and recognizing what is appropriate and what isn't. But I think that there's a spectrum, right? So like the older that you yet or like them further on um from where like our generation is I think you just are kind of like you, what can you do or do you just have to excuse it and know that it will this sounds really morbid but like die out right. yeah <laughs> no that's right. legit but I'm even saying yeah. there are people I mean if you look in the wake of like the Me Too movement right like there are people who are now like dudes who are scared and so they're going to change their behavior mm-hmm. because they don't want to be called out or because mm-hmm. they don't want to be put in jail or they don't want to like be you know um, what's the word like banished from Communities. certain community yeah. culture or whatever like that's one thing and I'm fine with that like to a certain point but I'm talking about mm-hmm. like if you if your hope is to actually like change someone's mind so they're not just like yeah. keeping I mean, I, I think some cases, the best you can hope for is that they will just be afraid to say that in public, and so they won't. And, yeah, like, yeah. that's not the best, but that's not the worst situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, in terms of, like, trying to... The root of the problem is that entitlement, right? Is yeah. that, like, inability for a person to see that not every situation is about them. Right. And, like, white people suffer from it more than most folks in our culture mm-hmm. men suffer from it a lot more than women do in our culture but I don't know how how to convey that of like this isn't about you right like a like, humility it's I, I feel like it's a misconstrued idea of strength um, oftentimes it's like oh that's not a big deal don't make a big deal about it and a lot of women have been taught to have that kind of lackadaisical response to it yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and it's like it's like seen as this, this strength of like, oh, that doesn't bother me. I'm cool. And I think that we're starting... You're saying on the part of the women. Yeah. Like, to be strength that they, you can like deal with mental Men making chauvinistic yeah. response, right, or yeah. like think, saying things to you. And just instead of being like, oh, that actually, it makes me uncomfortable being like, oh, you're joking. It's not that big of a deal. Whatever. Right. And like, if, if you do say something about it, it's like, oh, you needed to just like take a joke or like, you're being a bitch about this. And, um, and I think that now... Uh, you could kind of see that shift of being like, hey, actually, like, have, finding a really good way of, of saying that this makes me uncomfortable is actually a really strong, beautiful thing mm-hmm. to do. And um, and so I think strength is getting shifted as far as, like, uh, it's, like, overpowering, like, like, you need to just be okay with this to, like, oh, actually, I don't, and I can create whatever my safety boundaries are. And yeah. that's, like, a way stronger stance to have. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. I saw Princess Nokia 
a couple weeks ago, and she killed it. It was amazing. But also, she kept getting like right up to the edge of the stage and like getting in people's faces. And I think it was like the third or fourth time she did it. I think I didn't see what happened exactly, but someone must have like grabbed her or something. And she gets on the mic. She's like, "Nobody's allowed to touch me." Is that clear? And she just took like that second yeah. and then she went right about it and it was like oh, yeah. she completely it was like yes that is clear <laughs> yeah. ever didn't already know that <laughs> like and I'm not saying she was like I don't know what happened so I'm not saying she was asking for it or anything like that but she was like putting her whole body like down into the crowd and mm. people were just like reaching up and I don't know if it was like a very mm. intentional like somebody tried to like grope her mm-hmm. or if it was like more just like people hands waving around I don't know mm-hmm. yeah. but she drew the line mm-hmm. and it was and everybody even like I wasn't right next to the stage but I wasn't too far back it was like that shifted this like I feel like everyone was like goddamn right yeah, <laughs> yeah it's know? really cool yeah. yeah like way to just like take just a second yeah say very clearly I'm into like hanging out in the crowd mm-hmm. but that's that's I'm, I'm touching y'all y'all don't touch me <laughs> and, yeah. like, and then it wasn't an issue like right. for, you yeah. know, that just like happened once in the first like five minutes and then I don't know if that happens like every show if she just right. has to be like just cause I'm leaning down the crowd don't fucking touch yeah. me uh-huh. yeah <laughs> that's cool yeah I was there with a handful of women and everybody was like it's just so cool to see somebody just own it like that like, yeah, right. it's so powerful um, <laughs> yeah and yeah that's what I was thinking of when you were saying it's like this shift it's hope. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it does die out. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it is it is really in the public eye and people are really um, uh, engaging with it in a way that I don't feel like mm-hmm. uh, people have in the past because Definitely. of the Me Too movement. movement. Yeah. And also everyone actually having a legitimate story of being comfortable. Right. And, um, yeah, I think that it's interesting talking to people of the older generation. And, like, this probably is a whole other tangent. Um but how, uh, like, we see as we see this, like, Me Too movement or, like, call-out culture as being, um, uh, supporting the voice of people who are victimized and really being like, hey, you need to be heard right now and I can do that for you. And I think that sometimes I get in conversations with um, people of the older generation who, like, don't have uh, necessarily the same political view- views as I do, where they're like, yeah, you, like, it's not that big of a deal. You're being a wimp. You need to, like, grow up and, like, get strong. And uh, you guys are just a bunch of sissies and softies for, like, making, um, like, giving voice to this and I think that it needs to be reiterated that that's not the case and um, that there's a lot of good that is coming from this but also I think because we are in a uh, um, a stage of of call-out culture as you will um, I think that there also needs to be space for forgiveness culture and um, really recognizing people who do own their shit and um, and do try to become better like that's a really wonderful powerful thing too and um you know, there's a balance in there, for sure. But I mean, yeah. I don't mind getting into the tangent if you don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> We're uh, not driving to Alaska today. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> well, I just, this is what I'm saying, though. Is like, there are people, even in terms of the celebrities who've been, like, called out, you know, in the Me Too thing, that there are folks, I think Dan Harmon is the only one. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dan Harmon at all. Mm-mm. He's the only one where I feel like he totally sexually harassed uh, one of his employees and then she called him out on Twitter and then he devoted like a very significant portion of time to apologizing publicly to her thoroughly in a way that was like 
she her response was like that was a master class on apologizing <laughs> and like thank you and I forgive you yeah. and it was still wow. I mean I still as a dude as like a male feminist I feel like I'm hesitant to forgive <laughs> like, like it, it's like one thing is like okay she can forgive him do I still want to support him I'm still on the fence about it um, but he's the only one I can think of where I do think there's like a genuine possibility of him changing and like mm-hmm. for most of the, like Harvey Weinstein and like Bill Cosby <laughs> and like most of the people I mean Bill Cosby's like before the Me Too thing started I guess or before he got popular um, but most of those dudes they are permanently entitled pieces of shit yeah, I can't right. imagine Harvey Weinstein coming out of this being like I learned a lot about myself <laughs> and I'm just gonna really treat women differently now like he might say that Right. If he has, like, a good PR person that tells him to say that. Right. You know, like, with Louis C.K., there was a minute where I really wanted to believe, like, when he apologized, it was like, yeah. oh, maybe he's, yeah, okay, he gets it, he gets <laughs> it. And then I was like, he's got a PR person yeah. that's like, this is what you say. Yeah. And, <laughs> here's, and... here's your apology. I've drafted you, you know, <laughs> an apology. Just read it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't trust it. I wish I could, but I don't, I just don't really. I think that more so that that, that that should go for our communities that we're in um, and and just continually having conversations with people who um, even maybe not aren't like called out. But I've actually had a lot of male friends who like, you know, haven't, haven't been called out, aren't, don't have any reason to, but will come to me and be like, how can I be a better support to women? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to answer that yeah, question, right. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, just, like, even hearing that conversation. Like, I remember the first time someone asked me what my uh, pronouns, what yeah. my pronouns wanted to be. And I'm like, really? Thanks. <laughs> like, yeah. who asked me that? And then, to, you know, it's, it's really cool, the conversations that are arising from this of people being like, I just want to be a better person. Right. And um, we all have done shitty things in our lives. We're mm-hmm. not perfect people. And um, there's moments when we all need forgiveness and can handle that forgiveness uh, better or you know, there's always there's always room for improvement, and um, uh, it's cool to see communities and and our generation be really aware of that. So, yeah. 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 We'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens, I guess. <laughs> anyway, this this got into some good little tangents. Uh, you guys are driving to Alaska, so I'm gonna let you go. But again, thank you for sharing stories. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks for the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> that really couldn't have come a better episode. Like, yeah. <laughs> that dude. That's the gym <laughs> This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Duana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.